Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Amen. i got to say that it is awesome to be back in the house today. Thank you all so very much for your prayers and, and uh, uh, for just lifting us up, the whole, the whole bunch of us. And, uh, you know, God has, uh, he's an amazing healer, praise God. And, uh, you know, so it, it is a joy and a privilege to be back with you today. And I've got some things to share with you from God's Word today that I, I know is going to be a blessing to your life. And, um, you know, I want you to, um, th this is a, a subject that, um, the Lord keeps bringing me back to over and over and over again um, over the last year or so. And um, there's some, some things that, um, you know, I came to the conclusion a lot of years ago that uh, we have misunderstood as a church, as, as the church body, and I don't mean as Word of Life Church, although we're included in that, but uh, I've come to understand as, a, as, as the body of Christ that we have misunderstood um, the purpose of the church. And we've got to renew our minds. We've got to change our way of thinking, and we've got to begin to see things through different eyes. And, uh, you know, God is, um, you know, we, we've, how, how many of you, just, just out of curiosity, how many of you grew up in church? Okay, most of you grew up in church. And, uh, you know, when we, when we grow up in church, we have a certain um, mentality and a certain idea about what church is supposed to be like, what it's supposed to look like. Uh, Pastor Jason talked about what a Christian is supposed to look like, you know, and that, and that's all part of, of this, but, you know, we're talking about what is the church supposed to look like? What are we supposed to do? Um, you know, Jesus rose from the dead. He went back to heaven and he commissioned the church to do something before he went back to heaven. And, uh, <coughs> um, you know, and, and it's important that we 
know what it is we've been commissioned to do. Because if we're, if we're out here doing the wrong thing, see, many times we, we think this is what church is supposed to look like. And, uh, you know, as a, um, as a believer, as a person that grew up in church, as a person that, you know, I heard all kinds of stories about, you know, what church was like, what, uh, you know, the, my elders and those that went before me and what, what church was like and what it was, uh, what it was supposed to be. And, and um, you know, I began to realize that we had a wrong idea about what church was supposed to be. And uh, so, you know, when we really... <coughs> When we really begin to look at what God has called us to do and what the church has been put here on this earth to do and to accomplish, we begin to see that um, God's plan for the church is so much bigger than what our plan is. And, uh, you know, here's the, the essence of what we thought. The essence of what I grew up with is, you know, Christians are, are supposed to, you know, you're supposed to learn how to act. You're supposed to, to learn how to be good people. You're supposed to learn how to, um, how to love one another, and uh, even though we didn't really understand what that even meant. But, but we begin to, uh, uh, to, to think, okay, we're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to do good deeds. We're supposed to feed the poor. We're supposed to, you know, and do all of these kinds of things. And uh, this is what church looks like. And, um, you know, and, and so um, when we begin to look at the past, and, you know, I, I have learned something that if I... Uh, if I want to know what something is, um, I need to look and see, um, you know, what it, uh, uh, if I want to know what, what, it, what church is, for instance, I need to learn to look and see what God told us to do. I need to look and see what the church was commissioned to do. And, and when I begin to look and I begin to see that, <laughs> I begin to realize, <laughs> excuse me, we're going to get through this today, um, but uh, begin, to, begin to realize that, uh, you know, uh, we thought, and when, when somebody said, well, we had a great church service, we just had a really tremendous church service, everybody had an idea of what that meant. You know, what does it mean that we had a great church service? What did it mean, you know, and the Spirit of God really moved. And we don't even know what it means that the Spirit of God moved. Uh, you know, and we, and we begin to say, well, you know, um, a, as a church, well, we had, um, oh, we just had a, a, a great and tremendous time. And that all depends on what kind of background you came from. It all depends on what um, your upbringing was, what your church experience has been. And, um, you know, when I begin to, to, to think about church, 
the only thing I could relate to was things I had either seen or things I had heard about. And, uh, you know, and, and I came up in Pentecostal circles. So if I came up in a Pentecostal circle, it meant something different than what it might have meant to you if you came up in, uh, in, in a Baptist or a, or, or a Catholic or a, a Methodist or, you know, whatever circles you came up in, uh, it looked a little different. And when we said, well, you know, we just had a really tremendous move of God, what we envisioned in our mind from that Pentecostal background, we envisioned in our mind that people were slain in the spirit, that people were, were speaking with tongues, that people were running around the, the sanctuary, and that people were, um, you know, having, <coughs> oh, thank you so much. Um, but we began to see that the move of God, um, you know, we thought it's supposed to look this way. And we thought people were, you know, the, like I say, they're slain in the spirit, they're, they're getting healed, they're getting baptized with the Holy Spirit, they're, uh, they're, they're shouting and dancing, and, you know, this was what, a great church service was to look like. And if you came from a Baptist background, you might think those people are nuts. Those people are insane. You wouldn't think that was a great service at all. You would think that was out of control. And, uh, you know, you would think that, uh, uh, you know, that, that service was just a, um, you know, people were just a bunch of crazy people. And that's what you would have thought if you came from a um, from a Catholic background. Uh, you know, I've never been Catholic. I have been in in uh, uh, services like weddings and funerals and things like that in, in the Catholic Church. But it's kind of my understanding. If I'm if I'm wrong, I stand corrected. But uh, uh, but it seemed to be my idea that if you were from a Catholic background, that pretty much every service looked the same. It, you know, it, it all looked exactly the same. You did the same thing, you, and uh, there was no room for the move and flow of the Holy Spirit because it was all laid out, and so this is what we do, and it, you know, and we do this at this time, and this is what church looks like. And um, so having that in mind and going back to what... Um, Jesus commissioned the church to do, we need to look and we need to see what is it he's, he told us to do. What, what should church look like? And, um, you know, and so I began to, to look into this and I began to see that what Jesus came to this earth to do was not so we could have a shouting good time. Now, am I opposed to having a shot in good time? Not at all. And, you know, and if you want to shout, uh, I'm good with that. If you want to, um, you know, dance before the Lord, I'm good with that. I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, but that's not what Jesus came to bring us. 
That's not what he came to do. And if if we have a shouting good time and and um, you know and, and and God manifests Himself in a powerful way, um, that's that's great. But is that really? You know, I have found that people who um, who try to live on that kind of a uh, experience with God, I have found out that often their their spiritual life is extremely shallow, and I have found that that many times um, they um, you know there 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 really is no change in their life. Nothing happens except that they got all excited. And, and then when they moved on from there, and, and like I say, you know, their emotions are not wrong. God created us with emotions, and emotions are so we can enjoy life. But emotions are not for us to live by. The just shall live by what? Faith. The just shall live by faith. What is faith? So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is when God speaks and you just believe what God said. I mean, it, just, to, just to really simplify it and come right down to what, what faith is. God said, I believe it. That, that's faith. And, and when we begin to live that way, you know, your life will not change because you shouted. Your life will not change because you had an emotional experience. Your life will not change because you came down to the front and you wept and you poured out your heart to the Lord. Your life will not change because of that. Your life will change because of what God said. <coughs> Praise God. And so, um, you know, Jesus came into this world and he came here um, that, that there could be an outpouring of the glory of the Lord. Now, what does it mean that there is an outpouring of the glory of the Lord? What does it mean that, uh, you know, what, what does glory mean? You know, glory is, is God manifesting himself. Praise God. Now, there are times when he may manifest himself in one way, and there may be other days he manifests himself in another way. And, and um, you know, but I want you to begin to see this. Um, you know, the, um, when we begin to move into what God has intended for the church to be, praise God. Look at this, Mark chapter 16 Verse number 15 through 18. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly... It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. There should be some signs and wonders and manifestations 
you know, when, when God shows up. Because, you know, when, when uh, the glory of the Lord breaks out, and I've been, I've been saying this for, for uh, a couple of years now, that we are about to experience an outbreak of the glory of God. And when we have an outbreak of the glory of God, we're going to begin to see the signs and the wonders. Praise God. Not because we think we have to make them happen. See, a lot of times the, the church thinks, well, you're supposed to make them happen. And, um, you know, I can, I can stand on this platform and I can work up an emotion, you know, and I can get loud and I can get uh, very forceful in the things that I say and, and I can begin to, uh, be, begin to attempt to manufacture the glory of the Lord. But you see, here's what happens when the glory of God begins to break out. These things happen naturally. Praise God. We don't have to try to make them happen. We don't have to try to manufacture something. We just be who we are. Praise God. These signs will follow those who believe. Well, do I believe? Well, if I believe, then these signs should follow me. Praise God. But, but many times the church has been chasing after the signs instead of letting the signs follow after them. Praise God. We've been, we've been trying to chase down and, and, uh, and catch up to the signs and wonders. You know, and, and uh, I've been in a lot of services. Well, if you want to have the move of God in your service, if you want to have manifestations of the Holy Spirit in your service, then this is what you have to do. You know, I've, I've heard that uh, uh, there are certain songs that the Holy Spirit moves to. Now, some of you are laughing, some of you think, is he serious? But, uh, no, I'm not serious, but it is what people thought. It is what people thought. They thought, Holy Spirit, he moves to these certain songs and when you, you know, I had somebody tell me one time, well, you know, Holy Spirit, he moves when you play a song in E flat. Or e, e minor, I think it was. Holy Spirit moves when you play a song in E minor. Jasmine, make a note of that. Um, you know, we, we want to do songs in E minor because, you know, in E minor, well, that's how the Holy Spirit moves. And so we thought there was a formula that we had to follow and we had to use. And if we wanted the Holy Spirit to move in our service, then we had to do these certain things. And last time we played that song, we had a great move of God. And last time we played that key, and last time we did this, and last time we did that, and we're always looking back at the past and we're thinking this is what church is supposed to look like. Why? Because this is the, the, uh, this is the point of reference that we had. The Spirit of God began to tell me a, a couple of, two, three years ago, he began to tell me that there was going to be an outpouring of the Spirit of God, and he said, you won't understand it if I told you. Now, and then, and then he went on, and he said, be, you know, he wasn't t calling me dumb. 
he was just, he was saying, you wouldn't understand it if I told you, because if I told you, you don't have any point of reference to connect that to. You don't have any, any point of reference to say, well, this is what it looks like. This is, this is how it is when the Spirit of God begins to move. You don't have any point of reference, so therefore you wouldn't understand what I'm about to do in this earth. And I'm beginning to understand more and more that the glory of the Lord is about to break out on planet earth. And God is about to do some things on this earth, on this planet, you know, and sometimes we think that, uh, well, it's got to happen this way and it's got to happen that way. And we, we think that God's going to do this and do that and, and uh, you know, and, and we begin to think about that and we, we think, okay, this is what uh, we're expecting. Yeah, let me just give you a, a, a for instance. Um, several years ago, I was preaching on a Sunday morning and the Spirit of God gave me a, a prophetic word. And the prophetic word amounted to, to this. He said that, um, you know, when uh, he, he said that you're going to begin to have service every day of the week. I thought I knew what that meant. I thought, now, it, just, just be honest. How many of you thought, just, just very... Um, very honestly, how many of you thought that that meant we were going to have church meetings every day of the week? How many thought that? Well, I've got to be honest. I thought that. And, and, and I thought that's what the Lord was telling me. And I, I began to prophesy that, and I began to get all excited about that. And I thought, here we go, seven days a week, praise God, the glory of God is going to hit planet earth and we're going to have such a great move of the spirit of God that people are going to get healed and baptized and filled with the spirit and saved and you know and, and praise God that we're going to have this awesome move of God and because there are going to be so many people coming that we won't have a choice but to have service every day of the week that's what I thought because when you said church every day of the week, that's what my mind said. That's what, you know, we, you have church. That means that the body of Christ comes together and meets together, and, and, and you join together, and you have a service, and you have a great time in God. And, uh, you know, and so that, that's just that's where my mind went. And then... A few years later, seemed like it was actually moving the exact opposite of that direction. And so, a few years later, um, I get a revelation about home cell groups. And I started reading about home cell groups. And I started reading about uh, my mic falling off and... Uh, and I begin to begin to read about um, home cell groups where you would meet in the home, and and uh, the people would come together, and you'd have a meeting there, and people's lives would be changed by the power of the gospel, and and uh, you know, and I begin to see, okay, every day of the week, somewhere, 
we're going to have a home group. And so, as a good pastor who thought I heard from God, I started trying to make that happen. You know what? Didn't happen. And I thought, okay, what's up? You know, uh, Maybe we just need to stand fast and, you know, and hold on and, and, and someday we're going to see this and someday we're going to see this manifestation. Then I begin to hear people saying this. They begin to say, well, we don't go to church. We are the church. And, uh, you know, I've told you what I think about, about that, that statement. Not real fond of it. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Um, but I begin to hear people say, well, you know, we don't go to church. We are the church. And so I begin to think, okay, all right. So what we're doing is we're going to begin to realize that God is, you know, wherever the people of God are, that's church. And the reason I don't like that statement is because I start hearing people that run off the deep end on the other side with that, and they start saying, well, you know, I am the church. And I read that one day. Someone made that statement, and I said, no, you're not. You are not the church. The body is not one member but many. And so, therefore, you are not the church. You are a member of the of the body. You are a member of the church, but you in and of yourself, you are not the church. And so, uh, you know, I begin to, to get a hold of that, and I begin to see that, yes, God is wanting to break out, but God is not just wanting to break out. Our mind was all wrapped around this. What happens in this room? And when we begin to see this is what church is, church is what happens in this room, begin to realize we missed the whole thing. Church is not what happens in this room. You know, what, what's going on here today? Are you at church? No. Here's the deal. You are a, attending a meeting of the church. You see what I'm saying? Because we are the church, not you individually, but we, the body of Christ, we are the church. And as the church, um, you know, we are, um, you know, not one member, but many. And so what happens in this room is that the church, which is, we, not you, we come together and we meet together, praise God. And when we, you know, if you are a member of an organization and they have meetings, don't you think that you ought to be at the meeting? You know, I, I'm, I'm thinking if I'm a member of an organization, <coughs> Call it the church, whatever you want, you know, call it the such and such club, you know, whatever you want to call it. If you're a member of this organization, 
then when the meetings happen, you ought to be at the meeting. Praise God. And so we are the body of Christ, and through the body of Christ, the glory of the Lord is about to break out on planet Earth. Praise God. Praise God. Now, Jesus, let's, let's look at this. What, what did he say in um, Matthew chapter 28? Now, if you remember, if you go back to Genesis, you will find that Jesus, um, or in, in the story of creation, um, you know, when you go back to the story of creation, you will find that, um, you know, God created man in his image and likeness, and he created him to have dominion. He created him to have dominion and authority. Praise God. And then Jesus comes into the world. We get over to the New Testament. Jesus comes into the world, and Jesus begins his earthly ministry here. And we find that as Jesus is about to begin his earthly ministry, the Bible says that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And there he was tempted of the devil. And as he's led into the wilderness and he's being tempted of the devil, we find out that uh, Jesus came after something. Jesus didn't just come into this world just so he could join our church service. Jesus came into this world uh, with a purpose. In fact, he came into the world, and, um, you know, he, he, he came in. The devil leads him into the wilderness to be tempted uh, for 40 days, and, and there in the wilderness... He's being tempted, and we find that, you know, the devil says, if you're the son of God, then command these stones to be turned into bread. And, uh, uh, you know, so uh, Jesus resists that temptation. Then he says this. He said, uh, the, the devil take, takes him um, upon the pinnacle of the temple. He says, if you'll jump off of here. All these people down below, they're all going to see you. And the Scripture says that in your hands, they'll bear you up in their, in their hands unless you dash your foot against a stone. So, so Jesus uh, resists that temptation. The next temptation is this. It says he takes him up on an exceedingly high mountain. And there he shows him all the kingdoms of the earth. And he says, if you will bow down and worship me, I will give you all these kingdoms. For it's been delivered to me, and I'll give it to whoever I want. Now, some people say that was not a real temptation because Jesus knew that the devil didn't have it in his ability to give him all the kingdoms of the earth and, and, and all this. I contend that it was a real temptation. And the reason it was a real temptation 
is because that's what Jesus was after. That's what Jesus came to get was all authority. Praise God. So he comes in. <coughs> the devil takes him and, and he says, I'll give you all this. And what he is saying to Jesus is, you know, you want this. I know this is what you're after. I know this is what you came after. And so if you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll just give it to you. I know you're after it anyway. And, uh, uh, you know, it'll be much easier on you. We'll, we'll circumvent the cross and we'll, we'll go another way and we'll come around from a different direction and you won't have to go to the cross. How many knows Jesus did not want to go to the cross? Bible says, you know, Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, if, this, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus did not want to go to the cross. And he, and he didn't want to go there because he knew what he was going to suffer. Praise God. And so uh, the devil says, spell it down, worship me. I'll make it easy on you. You won't have to go to the cross. It'll all be yours. And, uh, you know. And, and we're good. You got what you came after. I got what I came after. I got you to worship me. So I got what I came after, and, and, and all's good. And uh, Jesus said, you know, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Him only. And so Jesus resisted that temptation. Then we find Jesus going through his earthly ministry, and we find Jesus then, you know, he's defeating the devil here, there, everywhere. Uh, you know, he is uh, casting out devils. He's healing, <laughs> he's, <coughs> he's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. Jesus is doing all these kinds of things. And uh, uh, then he goes to the cross. And when he goes to the cross, then he rises again from the dead, and he appears to his disciples, and he says these words. He said, all authority has been given to me. Now you go and make disciples of all nations. He said, all authority has been given to me. In other words, Jesus got what he came after. He said, I came after all authority. I got all authority. Now, here, guys, take this authority that I now have been given. You take it and you use it and you go into all the world and you preach the gospel. You baptize believers in the, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You cast out demons. You speak with new tongues. You do all these kinds of things and you, you do these things and um, because all authority has been given to me. So he has now, he has all authority. Now here's what Haggai says. Haggai chapter 2, verse number 6. says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth and the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations. Now remember that word right there, nations. Jesus is about nations. He's not just about a group of people gathering together on Sundays. No, he is about impacting all nations. 
He said, and, and they will come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory. Now, where's the temple? Where, where, where's the temple of God? Come on, go, go ahead and yell that out. Us. You're the temple of God. He says, I will fill this temple with glory. He's saying, because I rose from the dead and because I have ascended back to heaven, now I am giving all the authority that's been given to me, I'm giving it to you, praise God. And he says, I will fill <coughs> this temple with glory. Praise God. Praise God. This is what we've been talking about, an outbreak of the glory of God. And then he says, and I will fill the temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Here's what God is intending to do. He, Jesus said this. He's, uh, you know, when, when the angels were, were announcing Jesus' arrival, they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Praise God. So he's saying the peace and the glory of God is about to invade planet Earth. Now, get this. In, uh, uh, you know, I, I said this, that, that we are at a time at, when the glory of God is about to break out on planet Earth. How do I know that? How do I know it's time? Years ago... You know, I began to um, I, I began to study extensively on the su the subject of the rapture, the the rapture of the church, and, and I began to look at numerology in Scripture, and I began to say, well, you know, here's these numbers, and they add up to this, and they tell us that this is about to happen, and this is about to happen, and then I began to realize that, you know, he 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 was talking about something else. Now, do I believe that Jesus is coming back for the church? Yes, I do. Do I believe that he is going to rapture the church of the Lord Jesus Christ out of planet Earth? Yes, I do. But I don't believe that's what he's talking about here. Now, here we go. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 16, he says, Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, 
not only in this world, but also in that which has come and has given him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, in verse number 20, notice this. He said, he worked something in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and he seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named not only in this world but also age but also in that which is to come now in Matthew chapter 28 verse number 18 Jesus came and spake to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth now when Jesus rose from the dead where did he go where did he go? Went back to heaven, right? And when he went back to heaven, what did he do? He sat down where? At the right hand of the Father. Right hand speaks of the throne of authority. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Now I'm going back to heaven. I'm going to sit down at the right hand, the throne of authority. Praise God. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23, he says that the um, church is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Now get this. In Psalm chapter 2, verse number 4, here's what the psalmist writes. He says, ask of me and I will give you what? Nations. Ask of me and I will give you nations. Here's what we thought. We thought I will give you nations meant that he's going to give us some people from all nations. No. He is giving us the authority of the nations. Praise God. And he tells Jesus, he said, ask of me. Now, how many believe that Jesus, if, if Father says to Jesus, ask of me, how many believe that Jesus asks? He does what he's told to do. So he asks, and he says, here's what I'm going to do. If you ask of me, I am going to give you the nations. Praise God. You see, God is about nations, not a few people from all nations. He's about nations. Praise God. Um, In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse number 1 says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. He says, I'm going to give you these seven nations that are greater and mightier than you. Now, in Acts chapter 13, verse number 17, it says, And God, uh, the God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwell as strangers in the land of Egypt, and with an uplifted arm he brought them out of it. Now, for a time of about... 40 years. Now, mark that number down right there, 40 
years. A time of about 40 years, and he put up with their ways in the wilderness, and when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land by allotment. He gave their land to the children of Israel. He said, I've given you, he said, I told you, you um, follow me. He said, I'm going to give you these nations. And he gave them the nations. And um, notice, after the children of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, how long were they in the wilderness? 40 years. 40 years. So remember 40 years. Now, here's the deal. With 40 years, God a lot of times counts time by jubilee years. A jubilee is 50 years. So if you take 40 jubilee years, what do you have? 40 times 50, what do you have? 2,000. All right, so where do we stand right now? We stand at the 2,000-year point. Praise God. And he says, I am going to give you these nations as your inheritance. 40 jubilee years. This is why I say we are on the verge of the outbreak of the glory of God. Is Jesus coming back? Yes, he is. Do I know when? No. But I do know this, that we are at 2,000 years, and the glory of the Lord is about to break out on planet Earth. So be ready. Be ready. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, says that you are the light of of the world. Most Christians would say, well, Jesus is the light of the world. That's not what he said. He said, you are the light of the world. He said, you are the light of the world. The city on a hill cannot be hidden. Praise God. We've been talking about mountains of influence or hills of influence or, or uh, uh, realms of, of influence. Praise God in the earth. And in Isaiah chapter 60, verse number 3, the Gentiles shall come to your light. Where's the light? City set on a hill. You're the city set on a hill. The kings will come to the brightness of your rising. It is time for the people of God to begin to rise up. Praise God. Praise God. Isaiah chapter 60, I'm going to close with this, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, Darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory 
will be seen where? Upon you. Praise God. The Gentiles shall come to the light and kings to the brightness of your rising. God is saying, I am raising up a church. I'm raising up a church, not an organization that meets on Sunday mornings. I am raising up a church that is going to impact the world for Jesus. Praise God. Now, we're there. 40 Jubilee years, we're there. Praise God. The glory of the Lord is about to break out on planet Earth. Be ready. See, you don't want to miss. You don't want to miss what God's about to do. Praise God. Praise God. You know, we look around at our world, and it's a mess. It's a mess. But the glory of the Lord is about to arise upon you. Praise God. Praise God. Father, we thank you today. If you're watching today, if you're in this room or watching online, Jesus came into this world. He paid the penalty for all of your sin. And he paid it so you wouldn't have to pay it. He paid it so you could have new life. Jesus bore your sins and he was punished for your sins so you wouldn't have to be punished. Praise God. If you believe that today, if you believe Jesus came into this world to save you, which he did, if you believe that, and I want you to say this after me, because the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Praise God. So I want you to say this after me, and if you pray this and you mean what you're saying, then according to God's word, you will be saved. Praise God. Say this. Say, God in heaven, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, that he paid for my sin, and he rose again from the dead so I could have a new life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I receive the gift of salvation and the gift of righteousness. I receive it now. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love 